Hello, I'm Maria Titizian. And I'm Rubina Margosian, and welcome to the Week in Review for the week of August 18. In the news, the U.S. Security Council convenes an emergency meeting to discuss the humanitarian crisis in Artsakh, where the first case of death by starvation was recorded. Azerbaijan suspends internet supply to the population of Artsakh for several hours today, and 11 people were killed in a tragic car crash on the Yerevan-Gumri highway. On August 16, the UN Security Council convened an emergency meeting to discuss the humanitarian crisis in Nagorno-Karabakh at the request of Armenia. The five permanent members and ten non-permanent members of the UN Security Council, Armenia's Foreign Minister Arat Mirzoyan, and the permanent representatives of Azerbaijan, Turkey, and the EU delivered speeches. A few hours before the meeting, the human rights ombudsman of Artsakh, Geram Stepanian, issued an appeal to the Security Council on behalf of the people of Artsakh to stop the threat of ethnic cleansing and genocide by Azerbaijan. He said, Our fate is now on your agenda. I expect simple human empathy from each of you today. Do not stay indifferent to our tragedy, as indifference is equal to complicity. The meeting, which was chaired by the U.S. Ambassador Linda Thomas-Greenfield, heard opening remarks by the Director of Operations and Advocacy of the U.N.'s Office for the Coordination of Humanitarian Affairs, who gave her assessment of the situation, stating that international humanitarian law is very clear. Parties must allow and facilitate the rapid and unimpeded passage of humanitarian relief for all citizens in need. Arat Mirzoyan, the Foreign Minister of Armenia, described the dire humanitarian situation in Artsakh and called on the United Nations to condemn the use of starvation of civilians as a method of warfare, urging the UN to prevent genocide in blockaded Artsakh. I do believe that this distinguished body, despite geopolitical differences, has the capacity to act as a genocide prevention body and not a genocide commemoration body when it might be too late, he said. Azerbaijan's representative Yashar Aliyev categorically denied that there is a humanitarian crisis in Artsakh, blaming Armenian provocation aiming to undermine Azerbaijani territorial integrity. He went on to accuse Armenia of manipulating and misleading the international community. And before we move on, Maria, we have two incredibly well-written pieces mm-hmm. that you know, hit the nail in the head about uh, particularly one about Azerbaijan's territorial integrity and how Azerbaijan is f- using weaponizing it, weaponizing it. it and how and proving that it shouldn't and it can't and it's uh, like all a false, uh, mm-hmm. basically, pretext. This is by Nerses Kopalian that was published today and also Karina Avedisian's piece was to the point. Right, w- about the tasty cookies that apparently children in Artsakh are, are eating. eating. And the celebrations that, uh, yeah. you know. Well, the participating countries reflected on the situation in brief speeches and we were live tweeting, Rubina, and I was really surprised at how quick it was going and we were trying to live tweet at the same time. So some of the speeches were quite brief, some of them were quite revelatory and some of them were... Um, nerve-wracking. <laughs> and also we published all the speeches in right. uh, a primer, a mm-hmm. primer, basically. So if you need more details, you can just uh, go to our website right. and check it. Right. So well, all of them in their speeches were, uh, I would say the majority of them calling on Azerbaijan to lift the blockade of Artsakh and ensure unimpeded access through the Lachin Corridor. And most of them invoking the binding order of the International Court of Justice, which Azerbaijan refuses to adhere to.
Of the five permanent members, the French representative condemned the blockade, noting that there was no legitimate reason for it. The UK representative expressed concern regarding the disruption of life-saving medicine and essential goods and services through the Lachin Corridor. The US ambassador urged Azerbaijan not to hold the population of Artsakh and hostage and restore free movement through the corridor, stating that the US is open to alternative routes without obstacles to humanitarian aid, adding that peace in the region must include protections for the rights and security for the people of Nagorno-Karabakh. China, another permanent member of the UNSC, uh, only noted that it has been closely following the developments in the situation and consistently advocates that disputes concerning the Lachin Corridor should be settled through dialogue and consultation. Uh, Russia's ambassador, Dmitry Polyansky, expressed concern of the ongoing blockade, supporting the opening of all routes, including alternative ones, to provide access to Armenians, saying, uh, we do our best to prevent a humanitarian disaster in the region. For this purpose, we engage at all levels of political and diplomatic channels and also take action on the ground via the Russian peacekeeping contingent. I think he hasn't been getting the memos that the Russian peacekeeping contingent really has been doing hasn't been doing their job. but Well, they're doing their best. Well, the EU representative Silvio Gonzato expressed concern about the disruption of the ICRC uh, activities, stating that humanitarian access must not be politicized by any actor. He also stated that Azerbaijan bears responsibility to guarantee safety and freedom of movement along the Lachin Corridor. Gonzato also noted the Azerbaijani readiness for providing alternative routes, emphasizing that they should not be alternatives to the Lachin Corridor. He added that the population on the ground needs reassurances, first and foremost, regarding their rights and security. And this also taking notes of the alternative routes was like mentioned by several of, mm-hmm. the, of the speakers. That's right. Well, um, we're not going to go through all of the speakers, obviously. And as you said, Rubina, all of the, the full texts, the official and unofficial transcriptions are available on our website. But it was interesting because the EU rep was there. I mean, obviously, they're not a member of the Security Council. But also Turkey was invited. Which um, was kind of a surprise for them. I was kind of taken aback. Like, uh, yeah. they brought the parents. <laughs> right. And he said what we all expected him to say. The permanent representative, Sedat Onal, stated that with vested interest in regional security, that's Turkish vested interest in regional security and peace, Turkey is concerned with Armenia's attempts to exploit international platforms, including the United Nations uh, Security Council. He added that since Azerbaijani uh, legitimate concerns regarding its territorial integrity were not taken seriously, Baku felt obliged to take measures under its own territory. He also stated that Azerbaijan has exercised care to observe humanitarian considerations while these measures were implemented. I mean, the humanitarian considerations are actually starving over 100,000 people uh, methodically. So, But there were posts about cookies, and those cookies looked delicious, maybe, <laughs> according to the Azerbaijani representative. I know. it was uh, The memes are just incredible. Well, Albania's representative supported the mutual recognition of territorial integrity and noted humanitarian needs should not supersede political disagreements. He said that 
On the issue of the recent developments on the Lachin Road, the position of the two countries differ sharply. While each side develops its own narrative on the situation, one aspect strikes more than anything, he said, a profound lack of trust between the parties of the best ways to dealing with the situation of the Azerbaijani citizens of Armenian descent living in the country and on the urgent need for the parties to get together and work seriously to resolve all related issues. You know, we need to come back to what Mirzoyan was saying in the statement too, that geopolitical considerations should be put aside. But of course, we're not that naive. We understand that that's not going to happen. It's very clear what, what Albania's position was, what it was. It, it benefits from, um, you know, Azerbaijani gas pipelines that go through its territory. But it was, uh, I mean, the fact that he called them citizens of Azerbaijan, of Armenian descent, and how the sides have different opinions. Maybe yes. he needs to take a visit to the Lachin Corridor and see the difference of opinions there. Uh, nonetheless, the meeting of the UNSC did not produce a statement or a resolution. We do not know if one is forthcoming or not, but this is what we have at the moment. Okay, and following the United Nations Security Council meeting, Azerbaijan's foreign ministry issued a statement claiming that Armenia's attempts to instrumentalize the UN Security Council in its campaign of blackmailing failed for yet another time. On the same day, Vakif Sadikov, the Azerbaijani ambassador to Belgium and the EU, tweeted that Azerbaijani diplomats have, quote, prevented another attempt by Armenia to instrumentalize the UN in pursuing her policy of derailing the negotiated peace process. He said this is another failure for Armenia and her accomplices, adding that he suspects that some wise men in the UN explained to their Armenian colleagues that there is no need to push forward too much. It wouldn't change the inevitable. Therefore, there is neither a coveted resolution nor even a statement. There is nothing at all after the UNCS, UNSC meeting. Two days after that uh, Security Council session, Armenia's foreign ministry issued a statement noting that despite Azerbaijan's false propaganda, the meeting showed that the international partners are clearly aware of the, the dire humanitarian situation in Nagorno-Karabakh and realizing the importance of addressing it, he reflected on some of the statements made by council members and the EU representative that reiterated the need for Azerbaijan to lift the illegal blockade of the Lachin Corridor. He went on to say that it is evident that Azerbaijan continues to distort the appeals of the international community to look for false pretexts and not corresponding to reality to avoid fulfilling its obligations and by prolonging the humanitarian crisis, including through starvation, to subject the indigenous people of Nagorno-Karabakh to ethnic cleansing. And during a cabinet meeting on August 17, Armenia's Prime Minister Nigol Pashinyan said that the UN Security Council meeting affirmed the existence of a humanitarian crisis in Artsakh and that the lives and safety of 120,000 people of Nagorno-Karabakh are in question. We can now note that the truth about the illegal blockade of Lachin Corridor and the resulting humanitarian crisis has been voiced in the highest international body and the international community made a collective call upon Azerbaijan to end the illegal blockade and the Lachin Corridor, Pashinyan said. And this reminds me again of Krina's Avetisian's uh, article, which she ends is like, now if there's genocide, you cannot say you didn't, didn't know. know. Exactly.
Well, the day after the Security Council meeting, U.S. Ambassador to the U.N. Linda Thomas-Greenfield told the Associated Press that there were strong statements in the Council from everyone that the Lachin Corridor needed to be reopened, which she called was the main accomplishment. And as you already reported before, Maria, we read in the introduction, on August 15, the Human Rights Defenders Office of Artsakh reported a death by starvation in Artsakh. The 40-year-old resident of Stepanakert, according to the forensic examination, died as a result of chronic malnutrition, protein, and energy deficiency. And the Human Rights Defenders Office uh, reported that the catastrophic, this was after the death of the 40-year-old, the catastrophic consequences of the ongoing eight-month-long blockade of Artsakh by Azerbaijan are more than noticeable and tangible in the public health sector, which primarily affects the health situation of the most vulnerable groups of society. Uh, And he listed children, pregnant women, uh, people with chronic diseases, people with disabilities, and senior citizens. It's only getting worse from now on unless there's a fast resolution to the situation. On August 16, a pregnant woman from the village of Hatek in Artsakh's Martagert region suffered a miscarriage because she could not reach the hospital on time because there was a fuel shortage for emergency vehicles. This was again reported by Anahit Manasyan, the human rights ombudsman of Armenia. And today, uh, Keram Stepanyan, Artsakh's human rights defender, said that the healthcare system is experiencing an unprecedented crisis. As a reminder, for the past two months, medication and medical supplies have not been supplied to the Republic because the ICRC was doing that and they are no longer allowed to. All hospitals are experiencing drug insufficiency, according to Stepanian, who added that there is already an absence of vitally important medication. He said that if the situation continues, the public health of Artsakh will experience a major collapse. We expect international action to be taken as soon as possible, he said. You know, this is difficult to understand because because there is no medication, more people will need to be transported to Armenia, and Azerbaijan is allowing ICRC less and less access. Mm-hmm. So... Well, and as calls continue for Azerbaijan to lift the blockade, Melanie O'Brien, the president of the International Association of Genocide Scholars, tweeted, this was on August 17, two years ago, I co-wrote about the risk of genocide in Nagorno-Karabakh, warning signs that were noted have been ignored by the international community. The escalation of activity on the ground by Azerbaijan now demonstrates that we are well beyond risk. On August 12, the ICRC facilitated the transfer of 10 patients from Artsakh to Armenia, while nine patients who received received necessary care are expected to be returned to Artsakh tomorrow. And you noted this one time, Rubina, that these people are willingly going back into a blockade. It's pretty incredible. Uh, On August 14, the ICRC transported 10 acutely ill patients who are receiving dialysis. Can you imagine you need dialysis, but there's no more medication. You can't do that anymore. So they were transferred to Armenia today, 11 patients. Again, were transferred. Currently, 27 children and 82 adults are receiving inpatient care in Stepanagert. Many of them are in intensive care. And yesterday in the early evening, Azerbaijan disrupted internet service to the population of Artsakh. According to Artak Beklarian, advisor to the state minister of Nagorno-Karabakh, the line was cut near the checkpoint on the Lachin Corridor. Back then, specialists from Artsakh attempted to approach the area with Russian peacekeepers and restore the cable, but were refused by Azerbaijani authorities. Well, Artak Beklarian again um, reported today that the fiber optic cable has been restored. This was uh, only an hour ago. Which is also kind of my, sorry Maria, my worst fear that also communication with Artsakh is lost. That's a high probability. And I just want to go back to something. I was watching a, a report about people having to make the decision about 
being transferred to Armenia for medical care, and some people were opting not to come uh, for reasons that they might be arrested if they were men, or the fact that they had young children and couldn't leave them behind, so they were choosing to get more and more ill. I mean, what an awful choice Choice, that people are being forced to make. Well, Russian peacekeepers forcibly removed a car parked by Artsakh uh, activists at the entrance of the Stepanagir airport, which has served as their headquarters. This is for the Russian peacekeepers since 2020. Arturo Sipian, a Stepanagir-based activist, reported that the entrance is now blocked by a, a Russian armored personnel carrier. Osipian had led a protest against Russian peacekeepers on the evening of August 15 with the demand to lift the blockade of the Lachin Corridor. And, you know, there were videos of him talking. They were talking Russian, of course. I didn't understand, but the translation was that he was saying, you have all the food because they're flying in supplies for themselves. And, and yet there are children who are, you know, suffering from malnourishment. So that was the case on that. And Russian peacekeepers know how to lift the huh? blockade, but with the echo <laughs> activists, it was impossible. No, they, they basically shut down the road. Well, on August 11, the spokesperson of Azerbaijan's foreign ministry said that the Armenians violated an agreement to open the Ardam Road for humanitarian aid that would be followed by the opening of the Lachin Corridor 24 hours later. This was in response to a report in the Russian newspaper Kommersant that quoted a Russian official saying Moscow had suggested opening both Ardam and Lachin, something both sides had allegedly agreed to. But according to Kommersant, Stepanaker demanded that the Lachin Road open not 24 hours after the opening of the Ardam Road, but immediately. On the same day, Artur Harutunyan, the chair of the Nagorno-Karabakh parliament, responded that alternative roads can only be discussed after the opening of the Lachin Corridor. Otherwise, it is another attempt by Azerbaijan to create an impression that Baku and Stepanagert are talking to each other. On August 16, Hikmet Hajiev, the advisor to Azerbaijani president, stated that Azerbaijan also offered the Fizuli uh, Shushi Road for humanitarian aid. He added that it was going to be discussed during the Baku Stepanagert meeting. That did not take place. And on August 14, of course, Ankara issued a statement urging Armenia to support the opening of the Ardam Road and to support Azerbaijani attempts of integrating the Armenians of Artsakh. Ankara also called on Armenia to recognize the territorial integrity of Azerbaijan and to refrain from provocations. It went on to state that there is no reason to criticize Azerbaijan regarding the Lachin Corridor situation. The Spanish Agency for International Development Cooperation will support a thousand people who were displaced from Nagorno-Karabakh to Armenia. The Spanish embassy in Russia announced this on August 14. Baku condemned the announcement, calling it unacceptable. And on August 15, Azerbaijani authorities invited the Chargé d'Affaires of Spain to their foreign ministry regarding the announcement. And also on August 16, a day before the UN Security Council meeting, the uh, diplomatic corps in Azerbaijan, along with Azerbaijani presidential advisor Hikmet Hajiya, visited the entrance of the Adam Stepanakert Highway, who told the diplomats that the highway's daily capacity is 17,000 vehicles. Azerbaijan is building roads, not walls, for a reintegration of Armenian residents of Karabakh, but they put roadblocks and barriers, Hajiya said. And I mentioned that this is the day before because this was again mentioned by the Azerbaijani representative mm-hmm. at, at the UN saying, well, we took the diplomats. They saw it was open. Well, on August 14, in an interview on public television, Armenia's ambassador at large, Edmond Marukian, said that the next phase of the peace treaty negotiations between Armenia and Azerbaijan will take place sometime in September. The location of the meeting was not uh, mentioned, and the last meeting between the sides took place on July 25 in Moscow. And this week, Bajur Osmani, the foreign minister of northern Macedonia and 
OSCE chairperson in office stated that following his phone conversation from last week with Armenian and Azerbaijani foreign ministers, he has requested his personal representative, Andrzej Kaspersik, to visit the Lachin area and to report back on the current situation on the ground. I am reiterating my call to grant free passage through the Lachin corridor. Other routes should open in parallel, humanitarian aspects must always prevail. Dialogue on political issues shall continue and the OSC stands ready to facilitate, he tweeted. The Azerbaijani Foreign Ministry spokesperson responded to Osmani's statement, claiming that on a daily basis, dozens of Armenian residents of Azerbaijan are passing through the Lachin Corridor checkpoint in both directions. He added, saying that as far as the large quantity supplied to the region is concerned, Azerbaijan has provided Adam Khangendi Road for these purposes, which could be used if no breach of agreement would happen by Armenians 10 days ago, and this is referring to where we open Agdam and Lachin simultaneously or mm-hmm. Lachin mm-hmm. presumably 24 hours later. And I love it when they call Armenians of uh, Arsakh Azerbaijani citizens. Not a single one of them has an Azerbaijani passport. So they're, it's they're just... They're just the narrative in, the way they want it. But yeah. just in fact, you become a citizen when you, you're a holder of any kind of document or <laughs> passport, not one of them. Yeah. Well, the humanitarian crisis in Artsakh continues to be covered in the international media. I mean, not as much as we have hoped. It is, but... But noticeably a lot. Yeah. Well, on August 16, the editorial board of the Washington Post called on Azerbaijan to reopen the Lachin Corridor and avert another war. Azerbaijan should realize its move to block the Lachin Corridor will achieve little beyond provoking more conflict. Mr. Aliyev should grasp that starving the Armenians of Gharapagh will get him nothing. Lifting the Lachin Corridor blockade can help negotiate negotiations progress and avert yet another war. This was uh, in the editorial piece in the Washington Post. And in the days leading up to the um, United Nations Security Council emergency meeting, the foreign minister of Russia, Sergei Lavrov, spoke with his counterparts in Azerbaijan and Armenia. On August 15, in a phone call with Jehun Bayramov, Lavrov discussed regional issues, including the situation in Nagorno-Karabakh. Special emphasis was placed on the need for practical implementation of previously agreed-upon steps aimed at a swift de-escalation of the situation around Nagorno-Karabakh, including the unblocking of human humanitarian routes, including the Lachin Corridor, and this phrasing is taking root, unfortunately, this unblocking of humanitarian routes. Right. All the alternatives have mm-hmm. now been equated with the Lachin Corridor. That's right. Well, during Lavrov's call with Armenia's foreign minister, Arat Mirzoyan, uh, Mirzoyan emphasized the importance of preventing the humanitarian disaster in Nagorno-Karabakh and the ethnic cleansing of Artsakh as a result of Azerbaijan's illegal blockade and also emphasized the need for clear steps to immediately lift the blockade. And this week, EU Special Representative for South Caucasus, Tovio Klar, arrived in Baku. He met with Azerbaijan's foreign minister, Jehun Bayramov. The sides exchanged ideas on the process of regulating Azerbaijan Johnny, Armenian relations, ongoing negotiations with international partners, including the EU and the current regional situation. And during the meeting, Bayramov accused the Armenian side of military and political provocations and reiterated that the claims about the blockade of Artsakh and the tense humanitarian situation there are false. The following day, on August 17, Tovio Klar was in Yerevan. He met with Deputy Prime Minister Meher Grigorian, the head of the EU delegation to Armenia. Ambassador Andrea Viktorin was also present at the the meeting. The sides discussed the humanitarian crisis in Nagorno-Karabakh and emphasized
emphasized the need for urgent resolution to the issue, including from the perspective of establishing long-term stability and peace in the region. He also met with the head of the EU monitoring mission, Marcus Ritter. In a briefing held on the eve of the UN Security Council session, Deputy Spokesperson of uh, the U.S. State Department, Vedant Patel, called on authorities of Azerbaijan to open the corridor. He said, in our opinion, suspending humanitarian traffic worsens the humanitarian situation and undermines efforts to build confidence in the peace process. We call on the Azerbaijani delegation to restore the free movement of commercial humanitarian and private vehicles through that medium. Patel avoided answering uh, what the U.S. position in the U.N. on that issue uh, would be. He also said that uh, America has consistently emphasized that direct dialogue is essential to resolve the long-lasting conflict, and we believe that the desired agreement, which will ultimately bring peace and stability to the people of the South Caucasus, will be a good thing and a positive step forward. Yeah, we want it to be a good thing and a positive step forward, but I think some people are in don't realize that the peace deal is certainly not on the horizon when uh, one group is forcibly starving another group to expect those people to come together at this point I think is um, in the realm of fantasy unfortunately and we were just discussing off tape Rubina that how tired we are of saying these things over and over and over again we can say it in our sleep and it seems like sometimes you're speaking into the void but nevertheless uh, we continue on August 15 US Democratic Congressman Adam Schiff tweeted and posted a letter addressed to US President Joe Biden that the crisis in Artsakh requires immediate US action he went on to say that he urged the president to convene an urgent meeting of the UN Security Council to end the Azerbaijani blockade and to use all available tools to support the people of Artsakh and stop another genocide on August 17, John Kirby, U.S. National Security Council Coordinator for Strategic Communication, said that the U.S. continues its efforts to help Armenia and Azerbaijan to reach peace through diplomatic means. He also expressed concern about the situation in the Lachin Corridor, urging Azerbaijan to ensure free movement through the corridor. Uh, speaking of Azerbaijan, this week, uh, Baku continuously violated the ceasefire in Artsakh and Armenia. Um, after spreading misinformation, claiming that Armenian forces opened fire in their direction, Armenia's defense ministry reported that the ceasefire was violated in Verin Shorja, Yerasch, and Norabag. In fact, this week, the violations have been on a daily basis. On August 14, Baku stated that armed forces of Armenia illegally stationed on the territory of Azerbaijan have intensified military engineering works and other military activities in recent weeks, and a large number of weapons military equipment and personnel of the armed forces of Armenia have been observed along the border with Azerbaijan recently. Hmm. Where? <laughs> well, on the same day, Azerbaijani armed forces opened fire in the direction of Armenian positions in Verin Shorja, as a result of which a serviceman, an Armenian soldier, was wounded. And Yerevan denies Baku's claims of concentration of troops and military equipment on the border. Armenia's foreign ministry stated this information campaign organized by Azerbaijan is to divert the international community's attention from the humanitarian crisis in Nagorno-Karabakh and continue ethnic cleansing by inciting a humanitarian disaster. On August 15, the observation mission of the European Union in Armenia declared that it did not see any unusual movement or accumulation of troops in the Armenian-Azerbaijani border zone, especially at the entrance to the Lachin Corridor. On the same day, Armenia's defense ministry posted that Azerbaijani forces had opened fire at the EU observers who were patrolling in the direction of Verin Shorja and their car. 
And then what happened, Rubina? And then, <laughs> and then this was a confusing uh, couple oh, of hours for was. us. Well, Azerbaijan's defense ministry stated that the observers of the European Union informed the Azerbaijani side in advance of the route of their movement in its coordinates, as well as the number plates and types of cars. The units of the Azerbaijani army are informed about the mission's visits. This is why the incident reported by the Ministry of Defense of Armenia is theoretically and practically impossible. And this is one of the problems, not only did just this, this mess that day when we didn't understand what was happening, but it is one of the problems of the mission when they coordinate with Azerbaijan. So technically, what Azerbaijan is saying is pretty reasonable. So if we know they're coming, why would we shoot why at them? We? But, the, but the, the point here is that we saw the news, the Armenian Defense Ministry says, EOMA uh, vehicles and uh, observers can't come under fire. I don't know how, like an hour later, the EUMA mission puts this post on Twitter and everywhere else with a huge fake stamp saying, you know, no, it's false. we did not, we did not. All of a sudden on Telegram channels, a video appears of an observer, his face, you know, blurred out in the trenches, hiding, saying that they were shooting in our direction, therefore we are taking cover. And the and guy is ha- pointing with his fingers, <laughs> saying, like that is the Azerbaijani side. Right. And so then... All of a sudden, the EUMA has to issue a correction. It just became a PR catastrophe. And it was really insulting, I think, to many, many people here that the EU wanted somehow, because this is, think about, right? So therefore, they did not want to admit that they came under fire. They accused the Armenian side of falsification. Then when video evidence appears, all of a sudden, they have to say, oh, wait, sorry, yes, we were. It was in our direction. So you're belittling the statements by Armenia's defense ministry and giving more ammunition to the Azerbaijani side. They should try again. <laughs> On August 17, Prime Minister Nigel Pashinyan took a flight to the Sunik airport. This is in Japan. He toured the newly renovated airport because on August 19, the first commercial Yerevan Japan flight will take place, after which there will be regular flights. Well, Armenia's National Security Service reported that a day after Pashinyan's uh, visit, shots were fired. And this was, the wording is very interesting here, Rubina. This is why we've included it. Shots were fired by, quote, an unknown person from the Azerbaijani side, because the Japan airport, I've seen it right now, it's buttressed right up against the, the new border with Azerbaijan. The National Security Service called on Azerbaijani authorities to conduct a proper investigation into the incident and take measures to rule out the repetition of such an incident. And then they went on to express their readiness for a joint investigation and can relay the respective footage to the Azerbaijani side. This is it was very interesting. Last week, we reported the death of a serviceman, uh, Granik Khangoyan, who was shot in unknown circumstances. The investigation found that the soldier, who was a conscript, was found in a car with a gunshot wound in the head. The investigative committee has charged the deputy commander with incitement to suicide. On August 16, a reservist of Armenia's armed forces voluntarily left his combat position during a training. This was reported by the Armenia's Ministry of Defense. Later that day, the ministry announced that the servicemen had been captured and taken to an unknown location by Azerbaijani forces.
The Azerbaijani side confirmed the arrest accusing Armenia of an infiltration operation by a group of soldiers. Baku claimed that one of the soldiers was detained while the rest retreated. Armenia denied the accusation and released a video showing how a group of Azerbaijani soldiers approached the lost servicemen and captured him. The circumstances of how the servicemen ended up on the Azerbaijani side are being investigated. And on August 14, around midnight, a tragic accident on the Yerevan Gumri Highway took the lives of 11 people. Another six were injured, one of whom remains in extremely critical condition. The Ministry of Internal Affairs Rescue Service reported that a passenger van and a truck collided after the truck crossed the center median. According to relatives of the victims, they were returning from Turkey where they had visited historical western Armenia. The truck driver who was injured in the crash and is still in hospital was charged and can face up to eight years in prison. And this is an ongoing issue in Armenia, Rubina. I can't even talk about it half the Accidents time. Accidents are way too many. They yeah. seem to have increased. The people are not driving responsibly. It's tragic, and not to say one life is than the other, but so many of them were really young, you know, really active uh, kids, young people uh, involved in different organizations, um, and people who have been sharing their pictures. And amid all of this tragedy that we're living in, to have this kind of senseless tragedy, I think, is just another layer of anger that we're all feeling uh, these days. Absolutely. And uh, on August 13, Alexander uh, Senchenko, Ukraine's acting ambassador to Armenia, drowned while swimming at Lake Sevan, approximately 30 meters from the shore. When reporting the death of Senchenko, Ukraine's foreign minister described him as an experienced and highly qualified diplomat who had worked in the ministry since 2003. Armenia's foreign minister extended uh, condolences to his counterpart uh, on the tragic death. On August 15, the pretrial detention of Armen Ashodian was extended. Ashodian, as a reminder, was the deputy chair of the uh, Republican Party of Armenia and former minister of education. The pretrial detention was extended for another two months. Ashodian had already been in custody for that same amount of time. He is accused of money laundering and misappropriation of his official powers during his tenure as minister. Ashodian uh, denies the charges, but he continues to remain in pretrial detention. And the criminal prosecution against former Defense Minister Serian Ohanian in the case of the Zora hydropower plant case was dropped. He was accused of misappropriating large amounts of money. Ohanian's lawyer, Karen Mejlumian, said that the case was dismissed because his client had not committed any crime. A case involving the illegal privatization of plots of forest land in the resort town of Zalgatsor was resolved and the property will be returned to the state. According to a Hetk investigation, the wife of the mayor of Harazdan, Zarik Gevorkian, had acquired the land following a fabricated land auction. Currently, there are apparently 24 similar cases of illegal privatization that are under investigation. And Gagik Zalkian and his family members were summoned to the Prosecutor General's office in connection with the law on the confiscation of property of illegal origin this week. The Zalkians are expected to appear at the Prosecutor's office to become acquainted with the details of the investigation to their property. And a similar uh, case was also kind of the Kocharian family was also invited for. Yeah, and there's been no follow-up news with that, so it'll be interesting to follow and see what point it's at. And on August 17, the court extended the pretrial detention of Dikran Arakelian, former activist of the Armenian National Congress, for another two months. Arakelian is charged uh, for publishing defamatory information about state officials. He, too, denies the charges against him.
And that's the kind of week we've had here in Armenia and Artsakh. Thank you for listening. Please do visit our website. We have a lot of very thought-provoking articles on the situation in Artsakh, in Armenia, in the region. Uh, do read them and amplify them to help uh, with the narratives that are now being developed by uh, Azerbaijan and others. Have a safe and peaceful weekend, and we'll be back again next week. Thank you.